It's April, and it's time for a trip to Florida. <laughs> Hi, I'm referee Mark Fralick. Thanks for joining me today for episode 29 of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick podcast. My guest today is a real treat. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Chip Clark of Lakeland, Florida joins the podcast. When you hear Chip, it sounds like he's been officiating for several years, when in reality, he's been a high school basketball official for just five years. He's also officiated men's JUCO for a couple of years and men's NAIA for a year, but there's some great things in his future. Off the court, he's a marketing consultant, uh, but he stays involved with basketball as a statistician for the NBA's Orlando Magic. And he's also co-owner of United Basketball Clinics. And he's also co-host of United Basketball and Leadership Podcast. So be sure to check that out as well. Uh, He also serves on the board of directors and is training coordinator for his local high school basketball officials association. He is a busy man and really was a great interview uh, for this podcast. Have you heard, by chance, of PQ2 LLC? That company, owned by fellow basketball official and good friend, Matt Kearns, is a major sponsor of this podcast. You can visit pq-2.com and learn more about PQ2 LLC, and maybe they can help you. This podcast is split into separate segments. In case you haven't listened to it before, we have our pregame, we have our first quarter, second quarter, we go into a halftime, we have the third quarter, fourth quarter, postgame, and five quick decisions. If you would like to become a segment sponsor of this podcast, please contact me at markfralick at hotmail.com. Also, be sure to hit the subscribe button to this podcast. Once you do that, you will receive a notification on your phone so you can receive an update on your device whenever a new episode appears. And also, I would really appreciate it if you would rate and review the podcast so I know how we are doing. And finally, if you would like to support this podcast financially, you can go to anchor.fm backslash mark dash fralick and click on the support button. From there, you can select any of the monthly options of $0.99 a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. Okay, here we go. It's time for our trip to Florida. Here comes Chip Clark and Episode 29 of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Mark Fralick. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to another episode of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick podcast, and I'm real excited today to have Chip Clark with me. Uh, As you heard in the bio, I think uh, you're going to hear a a wonderful observation from a young official who really is excited about basketball officiating and uh, really has some great credentials as well. So Chip from Florida, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Mark. It's an honor to be here. I appreciate you asking me to be on. This is going to be exciting. So uh, talk to us just a, a quick second um, in Florida. Where about are you and, and what kind of what kind of uh, it's kind of silly to ask this, but what kind of weather are you having? <laughs> <laughs> it's not silly at all. Mark. So I'm in Lakeland, Florida. Um, so it's kind of central Florida. It's, in, it's halfway in between Orlando and Tampa. Um, so a lot of good basketball down here, a lot of great athletes. 
Um, but the weather also is uh, is tremendous. I love living in Florida. Um, the only thing that is a challenge, your basketball season is the winter season. Yeah. Um, so it's still warm down here during the winter. I think there's a couple Christmases in a row over the past you know three years or so that, that it was close to the 90s on Christmas Day. So uh, even though it's winter, a winter sport, um, it's, it's more like uh, fall or spring. So Yeah, you guys need to wear shorts down there in, in the gyms and yeah <laughs> i know that's right <laughs> well hey we're going to go to the pregame right now so uh, first we want to hear from our major sponsor pq2 llc we'll be right back hey ref if your day job requires engineering thermoplastics connect with pq2 llc and have a thorough candid and honest pregame discussion about your next injection molding, extrusion, or blow molded project. Make the right call to PQ2 LLC. That's www.pq-2.com. And in our pregame, we do just the same thing that we do in a basketball game for pregame. We want to sit down, we want to have a conversation with our partners, and in this case, Chip, you're the guy that's on deck. So talk a little bit about the season from Florida, um, how things went, anything funny or maybe not so funny that happened, and uh, uh, maybe anything that you, you might have learned this year in officiating. Oh, great. Yeah, so first of all, I'd be remiss if I didn't say a big thank you um, and even a congratulations to our state athletic association, um, also the, the schools in our athletic association, um, the, the teams, the administrators, the county athletic directors, um, a big thank you to all of them for really, you know, helping this season to go off in the winter season. I, I was, I was very thrilled that we were able to have a basketball season this year. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, there was, exactly. it was kind of touch and go for a little bit there as everybody knows. And so, um, the work that all of them put in and the dedication to be able to develop protocols and put those in place and for the schools to adhere to those and for the season to pretty much go off without a hitch, um, aside from cancel games here and there, um, just to be on the safe side. I mean, it was, it was tremendous. So the season went well. I got a lot of games in this year between my high school and my college schedule. Um, so a lot of great experience to pick up in year five for me. And, uh, I couldn't be happier. Um, I, I guess, you know, I've got to tell you this funny thing that happened this year. I, and I'm not, I'm not really, I don't really remember game events all that much. It's, it's actually a blessing and a curse sometimes. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the blessing of it is, is usually after games, I only, it's super weird. And I know this is probably bad advice, but I, I don't dwell on it, but I only take away the things that I know I could have done better. And the only things that really keep me up at night are the things, the calls that I missed. And, and I try, I block out games after I've, reviewed my film and all that stuff but there's some things that i'm able to remember and this funny moment happened um in an early early part of the season probably an early december game and uh it was actually one of one of the best games that that we've had in our high school association down here this year um it was a double overtime thriller uh buzzer beater for the win in fact it was interesting this year i had more buzzer beater wins uh, officiating more games with buzzer beater wins than I ever have um, combined. I think we had six buzzer beaters this wow. year that I officiated, wow. so which was fantastic. But in this particular game, it's the first overtime turnover. I'm the trail official turnover, so we're going in transition on a fast break, and I'm becoming the new lead. And I'm I'm in a dead sprint. I'm right near the sideline. Um, we've got a few players trailing the play, and you can tell it's going to be a contest at the rim, right? So I'm booking it. I'm, I'm sprinting down there 
right as I'm crossing the end line and about to pull up to, to stop to get a good angle and position to officiate the, the play at the basket, my left foot, which was my plant foot, and, and Mark, I got to tell you, this has only happened to me once before, and it was one of my first first few games I've ever officiated. But my plant foot hit the floor, and I hit a wet spot, Mark. <laughs> and and I, I'm talking head over heels. I mean, it was like both feet went up in the air. I landed on the ground, and I may be – I'm not sure. If, you'll have to ask your listeners if this has happened to anybody else. I may be the first official – who was actually called a foul while sitting on the ground <laughs> on the playing court. So it was a unique experience, but you got to know this about me, Mark. I, one of the, the things that gets me tickled the most is, is when people, I know it's terrible, but when people fall, as long as they're not seriously hurt. Right. And it's even funnier when I fall, I just start laughing uncontrollably. And so it was everything I could do to be able to officiate. So I, I sat, I laid there on the ground for a second, sat there on the ground, officiated the play because it was about to happen. I was still, my eyes were still, um, and I could absolutely see contact to the arm that, that put the, the ball handler, the shooter at a disadvantage and caused him to miss the shot. And so I, I didn't know if my partners were there, so I blew my whistle sitting on the ground while I was getting up <laughs> and, and called the foul. And so, it, of course, the whole crowd is dying laughing. I'm dying laughing. Uh, but it was a funny, the funniest part of that story, Mark, is when you go back, I went back to try to find it on film because I review all my game film, and and the they it kind of cut cut it off a little bit. Oh. So from that angle, you can't see. But here's the thing: the only thing you can see, you can't see me fall, but all you can see is the court in the corner of the screen is my two feet fly up. In the air. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's a clip I will cherish forever. Yeah, I'll bet everybody got a nice charge out of that, and uh, and it was late in the game. Was it right at the end? Oh, it was in it was in the first overtime. Okay. We ended up going to another overtime, but yeah, it was near the end. It was a close game, a tie game at that time. My partner's definitely got to uh, got a kick out of it as well. So, well, one thing you probably have not seen that in is an NBA game, and and I know that you go to a lot of NBA games with your job as a statistician for the Orlando Magic. Talk a little yes, bit sir. about that job and and any stories that you have about being in the NBA and maybe some of the things you've learned from officials. Absolutely. So it's actually kind of cool how this came about. So in 2019, I got asked by one of my fellow high school officials to volunteer to help out on the stats crew for the state uh, championship games, the state uh, tournament games, right. yep. because the RP Funding Center is five miles away from my house here in Lakeland, Florida. Oh, nice. and so I, I got on the stats crew there and our supervisor who was in charge of our stats crew, you know, liked the job that I did. I was a quick learner on that, inputting the stats. And so we don't keep the book. We're actually inputting live stats into software so that people can log online and see those stats. So think like ESPN, when you log on to like Game Tracker or something like that, right. you see where the shot goes up on the floor, what happens. We're the ones like basically putting in the inputting that information. So okay. uh, the Lakeland Magic caught wind of, of the job that I did there. Um, and they actually hired me to be their statistician. And the Lakeland Magic is the Orlando Magic's uh, G League affiliate. Okay. So I did that for the 2019 season. It's tricky during the season, my ref season, because I'm not available. I, I ref 6.2 nights a week. <laughs> so um, so anyway, it's hard to find a home game that fits into my schedule. But I do about five or six during the season. And then after my ref season is over, then I, I'm able to do all the home games. Well, I did a good job with them, and then when our season got cut short, G League season got cut short in 2020 because of COVID, um, the WNBA decided to come down to Bradenton, Florida, um, for their bubble and to finish out the, their season. And so uh, 
they, my Lakeland Magic super, operations supervisor, uh, recommended me to the league, and and uh, they hired me to uh, to come down and log the stats for the WNBA games down there, um, which was cool. Drive an hour down there, work a couple games, log stats for a couple games, and then come back um, each night. So that was fun and and a good little summer job for me. And that lent itself to me being able to get a, a position on the Orlando Magic staff um, this year. And so I just worked the uh, Spurs game the other night, and it's really cool because. Yeah, I got Coach Popovich. I was sitting at the scores table, so I got Coach Popovich. He was a legend and a Hall of Famer, right. you know, seven seven feet away from me. Wow. You know, and so so it's really cool. And I'm telling you, the benefit to being able to be that close. Now, it's a really stress. It's a stressful job to input these stats because in the NBA, like, you've got to get the stats right. You These players depend on these stats for their contracts, mm-hmm. you know, and for extensions and stuff like that. So you can't be assigning an assist to the wrong player or – you know, you can't make silly mistakes like that. So it's it's a very stressful situation. But there are some dead dead times where, like, during dead balls, during a free throw coming up or whatever, where a coach will question a call and you'll hear the NBA officials right there. I mean, they're seven feet away from me. So I can hear everything they're saying. And just being able to observe and hear and listen in on those conversations is invaluable. The way that they're able to communicate with coaches um, and, and be efficient in their communication, adequate, and be able to, to express what they saw on the play and des- devolve situations, or not devolve, but kind of dissolve situations is, is huge. And, uh, in fact, I keep a notepad there with me in case I hear something that they say that I want to take notes from and kind of steal and use in my games, and I'll jot those down occasionally too. So it's beneficial for me as well. Any aspirations for you to become an NBA official? You know what, Mark? Um, no. Uh, my And it's not that I'm against it. If the opportunity ever presented itself, it's something I would absolutely pray over and consider and, and talk with my family about. But um, my goal has always been, ever since I got into officiating, it's always been to become a, a men's NCAA D1 official. Oh, good. And so that's my goal. Yeah. So I in your bio, we talked about a little bit. Um, you are also co-owner of United Basketball Clinics. And uh, you also have a United Basketball and Leadership podcast. So first talk to me about what the United Basketball Clinics are and then uh, and then talk a little bit about your podcast. Certainly, yeah. So my, my, one of my best friends from high school, um, he started about six years ago United Basketball Clinics, and he just had one location that he did where he lived in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And his name is Matt Smith. He's a great guy, but he's also a basketball coach too. Right. And so uh, he wanted to, to put on first class coaches clinics that, that really, you know, kind of touch on topics that coaches are interested in. That they're going to get a lot out of. And he wanted really wanted to emphasize on court demonstration. So, he, you know, we actually have uh, NAI or a Division three team, you know, actually be there in person. So when our clinicians are speaking on certain topics, um, they, the, the coaches in attendance can actually visualize the concepts being taught because, these clinicians are actually using the players on the floor to show what they're teaching, whether it's a, a, a press that they're installing or something like that. So a lot of our attendees get something out of it. And I was, I was pleased that Matt brought me on board about four, three years ago um, to help expand the clinics to different cities across the U S. And now we, uh, we've got our fourth annual Hoosier gym coaches clinic coming up. That's the only clinic that we do each year that is in the same location, same venue, because we are actually in Knightstown, Indiana every year. Um, we have a great partnership with the Hoosier gym where they film the movie Hoosiers and it's a great destination clinic for coaches to attend. We have a lot of Indiana coaches that attend that clinic. Um, but we have many coach basketball coaches from across the country fly in from California or 
Florida or other places to be able to attend that destination clinic. And we have some of the best speakers and college coaches and in the game, NBA coaches, high school coaches. It doesn't matter. We, we want to bring the best of the best and have our co- or the coaches in attendance have a great day. We, it's a one day clinic only, Mark. So we don't, we don't believe in Matt and I don't believe in pulling coaches away from their family for a whole weekend. We just want a good action packed one full day of a clinic. Um, that they can get a lot out of. And that kind of morphed into the, the United Basketball and Leadership podcast that we started around this time last year when COVID hit. Thought it was a great time to go ahead and start that. And we interviewed some of the best college coaches in the game, some great high school coaches, some NBA coaches as well. And uh, and our listeners really seem to be taken to this podcast. And, you know, i got to admit, Matt does most of the recording during the basketball season. Even as a coach with him busy, he's not as busy as I am. I'm gone every night for <laughs> every game. So I'm looking forward to getting back and interviewing some coaches coming up soon as well. But the clinics in the podcast, Mark, have really helped me in my ref game as well um, because it helps me understand that, the, the mindset of a coach, which is very, very important to be able to communicate with them, you know, in, in, in game and understand their tactics and what they're trying to accomplish. And so it's been beneficial for me as well. So make sure you check it out. It's United Basketball and Leadership Podcast. Uh, I imagine it's on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Absolutely. All your favorite podcast platforms. Right on. You got it. Same here. So that's great. So talk a little bit about your journey into officiating and, and why you decided that you wanted to wear the stripes, which I think are different in Florida, aren't they? Yes, we actually have a couple of uniforms that we can choose from. We have the grays uh, with the black pinstripes, um, or we have the traditional black and white stripe. So you know what that reminds me of? I got to tell you. Back when I started, we had a choice of either wearing the black and white stripes with the collar or the black and white stripes without the collar. <laughs> That's Mark. Mark, listen, you're dating yourself right here, man. You got. You can't do that on, on air. I'm still in my fifties. <laughs> That's what they all say. Yeah, yeah low end, low end of fifties. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, and they give us the option to wear those during the regular season, but as of right now. In the state series games, uh, once we get to the playoffs, they require us to wear the, the gray with the black pinstripes. So, and I actually think uh, breaking news, um, another uniform change coming up for high school as well next year. I think they're actually going to try to move in Florida to the NCAA men's uh, uniforms um, that are more the Raglan style with the black sleeves right. and the black and white stripes. Okay. So, which I obviously I wear those for my college game, and I love that uniform, so I'm okay with it, but. Um, you know, I, I can understand how officials would be like, why do you guys got to keep changing these uniforms every <laughs> couple of years? Yeah. I think we know why, but yeah, I think we do too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's okay. But no, talk about how you got into the, uh, officiating five years ago. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, it was interesting back when I lived in Chattanooga, Tennessee, this is more than a decade ago. My friend Eric, um, was a, a baseball umpire and, and did fast pitch softball as well and kind of got me into that a little bit and you know i enjoyed it and all that stuff and and he also was a basketball official he loved that as well i only got to work a few games up there and then my wife and i and my son i was around the time my son was one year old uh, we we moved from chattanooga down to florida and so i just put any kind of officiating on the back burner uh, because there was a bigger fish to fry and we had a a new job i was starting um, as a uh, outlets manager at a 360 room hotel in Tampa, Florida. And, wow. you know, I was in the hospitality industry at the time. And so we did that. My wife had a great job done here. So I, we just focused on our work, you know, and, and, and our family. And then, uh, I got the itch about uh, my buddy continued to through the college ranks 
and uh, moved out to California, continued to officiate basketball. I seen post pictures from time to time, and we would stay in contact. And he was like, man, you should give this a try. I was like, you know what? I've had the itch for a while to give basketball a try because that's one of my favorite sports. And uh, and I said, you know, I love the game of basketball. I want to get involved. So I pulled the trigger. I reached out to it. I did some research, reached out to our local high school association, asked them what I needed to do. They put me in, in touch with the right people, got me started on that. And uh, and that's kind of how I got into officiating. I, after my third season as a high school official, I I decided, hey, I really want to make make a career type thing out of this and, and try to go as high as I can. I, I already told you my goal of becoming a D1 men's college official, and that's where it really started to take shape is I, I was like, I'm going to go to some hiring camps, you know. And so I chose one that year, you know, through some instruction for, or some recommendations from my colleagues and my mentors uh, to go to a JUCO, men's JUCO camp. They said, you got to choose men. You need to choose men's or women's, which one you want to do. You might have a chance to – uh, to elevate quicker at the women's level, or you and I, you know what? I respect and I love the women's game. I really do. But for me, it's always been about officiating on the men's side. So I was like, I, even if it's a challenge, I want to give it a try. And so I was hired into the JUCO. Uh, um, I was hired into the JUCO conference down here after my first camp, attending my first camp. That was the only camp I attended that summer, and I just completed my second year with them. So the next summer, I was like, well, let's give this a try for NAI. So I went to a, uh, my staff camp for JUCO, and I went to my NAIA camp, and I was fortunate enough to be hired um, at right after that camp, too, into NAIA, into the Sun Conference down here in Florida. And it's just been a real blessing for, for supervisors and uh, coordinators to put their trust in me and, and to give me an opportunity to, to prove myself on their staff. It's uh, been a tremendous opportunity. Just completed my fifth year officiating, and so um, I'm very blessed. What kind of things do you talk about in your pregame? Wow, that's a loaded question. We could probably spend uh, an hour talking about this, but sure. as far as my as far as my pregame goes, it's it's very detailed. But I want you, I want to be clear about something. My when I'm the R on a game, it's not my pregame. It is our pregame. It is my pre our, our pregames are collaborative. All right. So when I reach out to my my crew seventy two hours in advance um, to to kind of you know let them know when I'm going to be arriving at the game, what we're going to be wearing that night, you know. Um, you know, and all the different details. Um, I also let them know to come prepared to part- participate in our pregame conference. And so we cover obviously the basics, things that I'm sure a lot of your guests have talked about, uh, points of emphasis, um, directives. Um, obviously, those are going to include, you know, kind of verticality, post play, hand checking, body bumping, screening action, rebounding action, um, all kinds of things um, that are kind of directive, traveling, block charge plays. We're going to discuss those, but we're going to do it together. So I'm not that – when I'm an R on a game, I'm not that kind of R that um, talks for 15 to 20 minutes and then asks my partners, okay, what do you got to add? I don't do that. Um, I want them to participate. I want us to all participate. It's a collaborative effort in pregame. So we might get to verticality, and I'll be like, all right, Mark, um, go ahead and break verticality down for us real quick. You know, what are we looking for? Um, where are our eyes supposed to be if we're in the lead position, you know, just different things like that. And we'll just talk about all of those different points and kind of hit those home. Obviously, we're going to cover coverage areas, um, which is, is important to me, and, and make sure we're strong in our third. Um, but then also talk about atypical situations. We're going to talk about uh, clocks. We're going to talk about court awareness, uh, situational awareness. Um, we're going to talk about our relationship with the table staff, um, uh, how we're going to handle bench decorum, 
I mean, all kinds of stuff. We'll run the gamut on that, and we'll have a very comprehensive, uh, hopefully, if it works out well, at least a 30-minute pregame conference. Well, that's great. And that's, yeah, I mean, we could talk a long time about pregames. And, you know, what's interesting to me is that some people spend a lot of time on the pregame. Some people don't. And uh, either way, as long as that communication is there before the game, between the crew about what's expected, that's the important part on the pregame that needs to get through. Um, and, and I hope that that I hope that's what people take out of the pregame, anyways. Absolutely, I got to say one more thing about it too. Is, sure. is I've had a lot of you know I'm very active on Twitter um, with the ref content, and I've had a lot of uh, younger officials reach out to me, and, and I'll give them my cell phone number. And people that are living across the country in different states and. And we talk from time to time, and I and a lot of them ask me that are just starting out, like, I want to have a good pregame because it sets me up for success and helps me ha- have better. Ga- Every time I have a pregame, I have a better game on the court. And I'm like, well, there's a reason for that. And then they 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 express to me situations and ask me how to handle situations where veteran officials who are the R or the U1 on the game when they're the U2 um, just come in there and they'll talk just about life, and that's about it. And and uh, kind of just shoot the crap until the game's until we're ready to take the court with no pregame. And I would just challenge, you know, whether you've worked, I would challenge your listeners, whether you've worked with that crew or those part, those same partners, you know, one game or 50 games, at least have some sort of pregame. And especially if you have a, a newer official, a two year, three year official on your staff or on your crew that night, um, the, the benefit of having a pregame, it doesn't have to be as comprehensive. And, and all mine aren't 30 minutes, Mark. i, I got to be honest with that. But, you know, if, I've, if I'm comfortable with my crew that I, and I've worked a lot with them, we're just going to touch over some basics. And obviously my pregame is going to vary from game to game because there's different teams playing. There's different coaches coaching, you know. And and obviously I, I put in a lot of – one thing you'll you'll hear over the course of this podcast is um, I put in the preparation. If I haven't had these teams before, I'm reviewing film on these teams before I have them. And so I know the key players. I know the coaches' tendencies. I know the players' tendencies. Uh, I'm going to be able to list that in our pregame conference of things to keep an eye out for that I've done research on. So I like to have our crew well-old, ready to go as soon as we take that court. I don't over-pregame, but I definitely am going to touch on the basics and the fundamentals, and and we're going to make sure that we're on point when we walk out onto that court. And the Twitter handle is official chip C. In case you wanted to check it out, official chip C. That is the end Thank of you. our right. No problem. That's the end of our pregame. We're going to head to the first quarter. We'll be right back. Hey ref, this is Matt Kearns with PQ2 LLC. Call me to discuss your next injection molded plastic resin buy. You'll realize it was a great call. We've been in the plastics business for over 40 years and are thrilled to work closely with world-class customers and best-in-class domestic and global suppliers. You can expect complete transparency through every step of your polymer sourcing process. This year marks my 34th year of officiating basketball in the state of Ohio, and I'm sending my best wishes to you for a safe, successful, and fun year on the hardwoods. Hey, ref, click on www.pq-2.com First quarter, we talk about coaches and communication. So, Chip, talk a little bit about some of the specific encounters or examples that you've had maybe with a coach um, that that uh, some officials that are listening can maybe learn from. Great. Yeah, so I, I think, 
you know, and I'll kind of go into my philosophy on on communication with coaches as well when I talk about this as, as I'm giving examples. Yeah. But um, I, I really feel like, and, and like I said, the clinics, being able to rub shoulders with coaches a lot and talk to coaches often has really helped me understand the difficult job that they have to do. Um, and so empathy really drives my communication with coaches. Being able to put myself in their shoes and empathize with them. Just like fans are yelling at us sometimes, sometimes fans are yelling at them, you know, to play their kid or this, that, and the other. And so, you know, sometimes even at the college, especially at the college level, you know, they're dependent on wins and losses to keep their job, you know. So communication is important with coaches and because they, they've got a job to do, you know, and you want to be able to effectively communicate with them. I heard John Adams, uh, who's the former NCAA men's coordinator of basketball officials, he told me one time um, via text, he said, he said, Chip, listen, the, the best officials are the ones who are able to do three things. And uh, he said they're able to get the plays right. That's our number one objective, obviously. Get the plays right at a high clip. Uh, number two, though, is be an adequate communicator. And number three is manage major moments. Those are three things that make a great official. All right? If you're able to do those three things, you're going to be a solid official. Get the plays right be an adequate communicator and manage major moments. Adequate communicator to me means I want to be not only efficient when I communicate with them, I want to be able to give them exactly what they need to hear in the amount of time that they, I can talk to them, not holding up the game or delaying the game. Um, but I want to be able to do it in an empathetic way where I understand where they're coming from. I want my communication with them to show humanity, right? I don't want it to be something where there's an ego or they get any sort of hint of an ego at all. I want them, it's going to be all business when I talk to them about uh, specific plays that they're questioning me on. So, you know, specific examples would be a coach, you know, who, you know, is asking me about um, why I just called a block on their player, you know, and they could be a little boisterous or, or boisterous or whatever. And then I'm coming over there to report. And obviously we have to stay table side in NFHS um, when we, when we report our foul. So I'm right there by the coach and, you know, coaches will, will oftentimes, you know, or Chip, how was that? How was that a block? You know, so I'm I'm going to try to keep it simple. Coach, first of all, hey, just talk to me. I'm right here. We're good. We're going to talk. Um, I understand where you're coming from, but, but, but coach, I saw him. I saw your defender not maintain his legal guarding position. I saw him move toward and into the ball handler initiating contact, and by rule, that's going to be a, a, a blocking foul. And that's what I saw. What did you see? You know, I, I may not even ask him what they saw, but I just want to be concise. I want to get right to the point. But I want to do it in a way that's going to help put their mind at ease a little bit and hopefully de-escalate the situation. So that's just an example of how I would do that. And, or I may use different phrases. You know, I, I like to – my go-to is, oh, he wasn't in a legal guarding position. But I want to be a little bit more descriptive than that, you know. Um, so I'm going to – I'll say something. Like, he bellied up, coach. Or, you know, he's – he moved into him. Oh, he, he didn't – he made contact outside of his vertical plane. Or, you know, different things like that to be able to give descriptors that, that they can kind of pick up on and understand where I'm coming from. You know, that's such a good point. And I think even with the tone of your voice, that's one of the things that is, uh, I think, critical in talking to coaches is that when their voices are escalating, our voices need to remain calm. And uh, a lot of times I think that's why you have that uh, headbutt uh, a lot of times is because when we hear a voice's a coach's voice escalate, you know, sometimes there's a tendency to raise our voice too. And, and, but to be able to come at it as you just did when, when you were talking, you know, that nice monotone kind of 
here it is, coach. This is how you spell it out, and this is what happened. But use it in a calm manner. It's just like talking to your kids, really. Absolutely. I love that you tied it into that as well. And, you know, I've heard a few of your guests talk about it. It's funny because I was if I, I was like, if I ever, when I get on podcasts, this is kind of my go-to as well. But I've heard a few of your, your uh, guests mention it, but I cannot recommend enough the book Verbal Judo. I mean, yeah. the, what it has done to help me in my communication with coaches is just astounding. It's verbal judo, the gentle art of persuasion and, and the, how they talk about empathy being the strongest word in the English language and how they talk about how we respond rather than react. Goodness, man, when you respond or when, when you react, the event controls you, when you respond, you're in control. I mean, goodness, that's, that's a mouthful right there. And it's one of those things where when coaches are coming at you in a certain way, like you mentioned, Mark, it, it takes everything in us sometimes to just remain calm. Basketball is a big emotional game and there's ebbs and flows, ups and downs. It's, it's emotional. You got momentum swings and shifts all the time. And goodness, when you try to put yourself in the coach's shoes, if they just thought they got a roll end of a deal on a call, I mean, goodness, I give them a little leash. I mean, unless they cross that line and we all know what the lines are, right? The rule book has, is very clear on what the lines are. Unless they cross that line, give them a little leash, especially if it's not an obvious call, you know, if it's one of those that isn't obvious. And be able to, to come approach them, listen to what they have to say, hear them out, and calm them down if you need to in a respectful way. But be able to control your emotions. It, when their emotions rise, ours have to stay even kill. And that's you said it perfectly on that. And so that's kind of how I try to approach my conversations with coaches, especially in a tense situation. Hey, that is the end of our first quarter. You know, we're going to go to the second quarter right now. We'll be right back. Hey, ref. Objectivity, integrity, and experience. All hallmarks of a quality basketball official. At PQ2 LLC, we bring those traits and an unmatched passion for our customers' successful plastic application by being a one-stop shop for thermoplastic resins. Visit our website at www.pq-2.com. Real needs, practical solutions, and exponential results. PQ2 LLC. And once again, a big thank you goes to Matt Kearns, our major sponsor, uh, the PQ2 LLC, and we just really appreciate that. You may be looking at your watch right now and thinking, Mark, my goodness, you've gone through the pregame and first quarter and you're 35 minutes or 30 minutes into the podcast. Don't worry. We're still going to hit the hour mark. All right. We're going to shorten this thing up a little bit. And, and uh, uh, But I, the content on this podcast is great. Chip's doing a wonderful job. I hope you're getting a lot out of this. The second quarter, we do talk about players and we talk about the communication with players. And, and I thought this was a, a great question that I came upon. Um, that I haven't asked anybody yet, but I, I thought I'd try it out. How old was the youngest kid that you've ever seen dunk in a live game? Oh, goodness. Um, I have to imagine he was in – he had to be seventh grade. Wow. I mean, oh, and I know I, maybe there's younger ones that dunk, but we have a lot of incredible athletes here in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> and they can just jump out of the gym. In fact, I, I, I think he was probably 7th grade, maybe 8th grade, but probably 7th. It was crazy. Those are always fun to watch those young guys go. But uh, to, speaking about players and communication, what kind of things do you use 
in communicating with players that is effective for you throughout a ball game? I, I'm a big talker. Um, as you can see, <laughs> um, I, I definitely, that's funny that it just led into that because I, I know that this has taken quite some time. I, I love to talk, um, uh, but I, I'm a big talker with players. I'm a big talker with coaches, um, within reason, obviously in, in appropriate situations. Uh, one of the things I'll say about player communication is I like to set the table early. I like to show my humanity early, um, in pregame warmups. I'll, I'll, uh, and I learned this from Roger Ayers, um, on a show that he did, um, and I've actually started implementing it, and it's done tremendous things to help the game flow and to help there not be that many uh, situations with players on the court. But I'll go up to, you know, I've already identified the best player in pregame warm-ups, right? And so I'll pull them to the side. Uh, if I'm the U2 or U1 on the other side or even the R, pull them to the side and say, you know, my guy, hey, 12, can I talk to you for a sec? And they'll come over outside of their layup line or whatever and talk, yeah, ref, what you got? And I'll be like, hey, man, you're one of the best players on the floor. It's been a pleasure watching you this year. I've seen some film on you. You've got some, man, you got some great stuff. Um, I'm looking forward to watching you play tonight. But, hey, can you do me a favor? I know you're a leader on this team. And this is outside the coaches and captains meeting, right? This is just talking to them pregame and just developing kind of a little relationship that may help you build on through the rest of the game. Can you help me out with your players tonight? And, and you know, start, I, I know there's going to be calls that you guys don't think are right or that, that don't go your way. Can you kind of help me keep them level-headed on that and do that? I'm your guy, man. If you have a question, come talk to me. I'll be happy to answer it for you, okay? Can you help me out with that? Yeah, ref, I got you. And then that usually helps set the table so that I don't have to do much communication during the game. If a player approaches me, I don't give them a lot. Players don't get long loose from me at all um, if they're arguing a call, right? Um, we've got those same lines in the sand as we do for coaches, too, for, for unsporting behavior. But with coaches or with players – you know, a, a lot of that communication that I have with them is, is usually um, preventative in nature. Um, it's usually something that um, I'll be proactive about and, and try to get to a situation before it happens. Now, I don't use preventative officiating like most people would think of it. It's not a substitute for the rules, for not calling the rules as written, right? Um, I don't use it like that. If the call needs to be made, a call is going to be made. <clears throat> but there's certain situations you can talk players out of before they happen. Um Post play is going to be one of them. So post play, if you see a post player posting up without their elbows bent, they've got a straight arm out to their side, but they're not contacting the defender. They're not warding off the defender with that. There's no foul there, but that can be a cautionary tale for you. That can be something, uh, kind of a red flag for you. Hey, 23, 23, hey, arms bent, post up with arms bent. And I'll talk to him like that to try to prevent him from, from impeding the player's freedom of movement who's on his back, right? Um, so I'll use it in those situations uh, with hand checks. We know they can put one hand on, take it off, but they can't put another one back on. So when they put that first hand on there, Hey, no more hands, 23, no hands, show me your hands. And I'll call their number out. That's another thing I picked up from Roger ears. Players never think you're talking to them, right? You call their number. They know you're talking to them and their coach knows that you're talking to them. And now the coach knows that you've put their player on notice. So they, they see you call a foul on number 23 for putting another hand on them. They know exactly what it's for. They don't even question your call. They even tell them sometimes, hey, he just told you to keep your hands off. Why'd you put it back on? You know, so these are things that kind of help the game flow, help manage the game that can keep it moving. And that's kind of how I like to manage my relationship and my communication with, with players on the court. We are going to go to halftime right now. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will go to the quarter number three, quarter number four, followed by the post game and the five quick decisions. We'll be right back.
Hey Ref, this is Matt Kearns, and I'm honored and proud that PQ2 LLC is sponsoring my very good friend and former co-official Mark Fralick and the High School Basketball Referee Podcast. I love plastics manufacturing and making things happen in the world of engineering, resin, distribution, and compounding. But come on, there's nothing like game night. A packed gym, the place is rocking, and we leave the floor knowing our crew gave the players and coaches our best, right? I truly hope you enjoy these podcasts and thank you for your continued support of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast and PQ2 LLC. Tonight's tip, nobody came to see us officiate, so make sure the kids are the stars on game night. Welcome back for the third quarter. In the third quarter, we talk about officials, communications, crew dynamics. But before we get to the questions, Matt Kearns and PQ2 LLC want to tell you this. Hey, ref. Rule 1, Section A, Article 3 in the Project Management Rulebook says trusting your business partner gives you the best chance to launch your new plastics project application. Make PQ2 LLC part of your crew on your next thermoplastic resin application. Call 330-888-9448 and ask for our in-house basketball official and owner, Matt Kearns. Third quarter, again, we talk about fellow officials and uh, what we can do to get better throughout the game. And we know as the game progresses that our communication as officials, uh, it's very important, whether that's verbal, nonverbal. Talk a little bit about how we can do that, get better throughout the game with verbal and nonverbal communication throughout the game. Maybe it's even at halftime uh, or during timeouts. Yeah, we just have our awareness needs to be, we need to have high awareness when we're on the court. High awareness for, for situations that could occur uh, clock awareness, but we also need to have great awareness of our partners on the court as well. And a lot of this comes with experience, Mark. You know, there's things, man, my first two first two seasons as an official, I mean, a lot of these things, great things that we hear on the podcast, I wouldn't have even known how to implement them because I was just focused on trying to keep my head above water, you know? So, I mean, it's a lot of it comes with experience, but be intentional about learning how to be an adequate communicator with your partners as well. Nonverbal and verbal is communication is very, very important. I don't do a lot of talking to our uh, our crew during timeouts unless it's late game situations or an important thing that I need to let them know about that I'm, I'm noticing in the game or I want them to let us know about. Um, but, but for the most part, our nonverbal communication on the court is going to be something that really helps us out. And a lot of that is just picking up, having the awareness to, to understand what they're looking at. Okay. Not only just understand your own primary coverage area, but understand when you glance over to your side, when you're the trail and you glance to your side down to the end line, you see the lead down there, you can see what they're looking at too, you know, and knowing what they're looking at and know it, that really helps with something I've learned this year, tried to really work on is, is the, the receiving and the passing off of plays, knowing when to pass those plays off to your partner and when to accept plays into your primary um, it really helps. And part of that is good nonverbal communication and good indicators. So you're looking at your partners, making eye contact whenever you're able to. Um, but 
but especially nonverbal communication or verbal and nonverbal communications on double whistles, which is a huge deal. Um, these are these are areas of the game we absolutely have to communicate. And uh, yeah, you can't you can't underestimate the importance of of great communication with your crew. Gosh, and you know you've only been doing this five years. I feel like I'm talking to a veteran official, but there has to be a time I think in these five years that you've received some great advice uh, from officials. What what would you say maybe is your best advice that you've received from an official so far? Um, you know what it was. Uh... It was from a it was from an official who knows me personally and knows the kind of person I am outside of officiating. And you know it's weird. This may be a weird answer, but he said, "Be exactly the same person you are off the court, on the court, and you'll be just fine." And he said, "Don't change anything." He said, "You've you've got high values. You're uh, you try to be. I know you work hard to be a high character individual." You're, you're big on character and who, what you do when nobody's watching. But even when people are watching, you always try to do the right thing. You're a personable guy. People like to be around you because you have that. You're, you're very receptive to what they have to say. Um, continue that in officiating. He said, continue to do those things, um, to be a person that people like to communicate with, that like to work with, be a good. He said, I know you're a good teammate. I know you're a great friend. I know you're a great teammate. Continue to be a great teammate on the court with your crew each each and every night. So a lot of those things that that I try to you know pattern my life after in my personal life and that are big time values for me in my personal life. I try to just keep that on the court too, and uh, and be able to apply that to officiating, and it's helped me. And that takes care of our third quarter. We're going to go to the fourth quarter, but first we're going to hear a little bit more about PQ2 LLC. We'll be right back. Hey, ref, the fourth quarter is crunch time. With the outcome of the game in the balance, a hoops official's greatest assets are experience, knowledge, and game management skills. And when that final buzzer sounds and we return to the locker room for our post-game debrief, we know we've done our best. When it comes to plastic resins, PQ2 LLC brings the same experience, knowledge, and management skills to every client engagement. Our observations are focused, our solutions are practical, and our results are exponential. Check us out at www.pq-2.com to learn how we've earned our stripes. Our fourth quarter is a variety of questions, and, and uh, you know, as I look at your bio, Chip, uh, you're involved with your local association uh, as on the board of director and, and the training coordinator. Um, if you could briefly explain those duties and, and talk about, really, I want you to talk about how that involvement in your local association is such an important lesson for other officials. Sure. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a board member at large, serve as a board member at large for our local association, high school association, and it is an honor and a privilege to serve our members. It really, really is. I'm all, you know, you ask people around me all the time, my, my go-to phrase is I'm always happy to help. Well, I try to, I try to help out in any way I can. I try to be very member focused. Obviously, there's going to be tough decisions we have to make as a board collectively that maybe some member, part of our membership won't like or appreciate or won't understand. Um, and you know, that's the tough part of the job. Um, 
being able to manage the affairs of the association, you're not going to please everybody. And that's our duty is to, to keep the association afloat and help make it the best association we can be. Are we? And so I really enjoy serving our members. I love our my phone calls with members just to ask them how they're doing. Um, I try to go the extra mile in this position. I'm not just a board member that attends board meetings and votes. That's not the only thing I do. I like to go the extra mile and I've, I've developed our, a brand new website for our association two years ago. I try to post training materials on there as well. Part of being a training coordinator too is, is uh, um, I actually, we do our, we had to, had to adapt during COVID, right? So we did Zoom training meetings like many associations I'm sure did. And actually our members appreciated that. Um, it was very accommodating to be able to, to be able to get, get onto a Zoom call at your house and uh, on a webinar and have us review plays together and review training materials. So I really try to d- develop a comprehensive topical um, training program for our, our officials during the preseason and off season. And then uh, through, uh, we did another Zoom training session during the season as well. But another touch that I did this year that, that um, I decided to do as the training liaison, the training coordinator, is I, I reviewed over 100 hours of game film during the season of our officials. This is separate from my own game film. So my, my routine was usually get home from work in a game. When I get home, if my family is still awake, um, I'll spend time with them until they go to sleep. And then usually after games, as you can see, I'm, in a, I'm a very charismatic guy, <laughs> energetic guy. <laughs> and so after games, Mark, I, I have trouble winding down and going to sleep. So I never review my own game film the night of my game. I always review other of our association's members and officials' games the night after I get home from a game. And it helps me go to sleep, but I chart plays for them. I clip plays for them. I clipped over 7,000 plays for our officials this year, this season alone. And I many of those plays I sent to them in a, in a kind of an evaluation-type process where – and most of the time it wasn't even evaluation. It was, Hey, here's some things that I wanted you to take a look at. Give me your thoughts. But then there's sometimes I would give feedback to our younger officials. Um, and then there's other times I just wanted to send plays out to tell them, Hey, I just want to let you know that somebody noticed you doing a great job tonight, you know, and just really trying to build and give positive reinforcement to the job they were doing and the hard work they put in. So I've tried to go the extra mile in my training, um, stuff this year. And, and hopefully our members have benefited from that. Well, um, I, as far as involvement yeah. in your association, real quick, Mark, sorry yeah, about that. I know good. you wanted me to touch on it. It's very important to be involved in your local association. And, and what it means to what it can mean to you is you get the most out of your association. Anytime you're a member of something, you want to be able to get the most out of it. Um, whether it doesn't matter if your goals are to be a D1 official like me or, or like what I, my goals are, um, or if you just want to do it you know, recreationally. You always want to try to be the best that you can be, and you always want to try to have a, a good camaraderie with your other officials. And so being involved and highly involved in your local association is not going to only just teach you what you need to know to be a great official, but it's also going to give you a sense of purpose as well. And, and I, that's why I love being a part of our association and the members that are in it. Yeah, we talk about a lot of the good things and the positive things that happen for, as us as officials throughout the year. Um, and and uh, we know that yeah, it's not all sunshine and roses all the time, right? So talk maybe about uh, some you had talked briefly about this uh, before our podcast, but talk a little bit about maybe the scariest thing that's happened to you in your five years, uh, whether it's on the court or off the court. Actually, yeah, the, the uh, I, would, I wouldn't, maybe it's the scariest, but it's definitely the most threatened I've ever felt. 
um, actually happened this this past year. Um, actually, just a couple of months ago. Um, it was after the high school se- or a month ago. It was after the high school season was over, and I rarely work AAU games anymore, Mark, because it's it's out of control most of the time. And I I really I feel like it's I me mean, personally, I, and I don't want to disparage anybody. But I feel personally it's it's a slap in the face to only get paid. You know, what AAU officials get paid for a game, and you don't always give your best out there because you're not getting paid like you should. And and that's that's another issue in and of itself, but. I actually helped out a friend and they asked me to do this tournament. It was in Orlando. And so I, I did the tournament and there was a coach. I called a, a free throw violation as the lead official after administering a free throw on, on this coach's player who was on the low block. And he had his foot. I mean, he had his foot on the lane line. Uh, it wasn't just on the lane line. Like most of his foot was in the lane. And so I did a delayed violation. Right. And Obviously, when the, the free throw was missed, I called it and um, award a substitute free throw. Well, this coach, I feel like you're picking on my player, man. Why do you keep picking on my player? I said, coach, it was a free throw violation. He was in the lane. You know what? I've got to call that. You know, and he just keeps going on and on about that. Well, the free throw was missed. We go the other way. Um, and I had told myself, I said, if, if I come back and he says a single word, because I'd had enough of him, right? If he says a single word to me, I'm, I'm giving him a technical foul. No warning, a technical foul right away because he had been vocal throughout the game. He come, I come back running by him as the play was going in transition, and, and the other team didn't have a, a significant advantage or any advantage. So as soon as he said, well, he didn't even get the full word out of my mouth, I can't, you know, and, and I just teed him up right there. <laughs> and so I teed him up, and uh, obviously he's all in his feelings, and I, I'll remove myself from the situation. I walk away. Well, two possessions later, that same kid I called a free throw violation on makes an incredible move at the basket and gets fouled. And I call the N one, right? I score the basket and one. Well, this player who just made an incredible play that's that player, that coach is his, his uh or that player that was his coach I was talking to earlier. He uh he taps the kid on the shoulder that fouled him. And the kid turns around and then he flexes his muscle right in front of his face. Oh my God. So I have nothing else to do. I've got to call a technical foul on that. So I hit him with the technical, and the coach goes off the rails. I go over to report it. He comes over to me. I said, Coach, that's enough. Sit down. That's enough. And he wants to keep going. And the, the assistant comes over and says, I got him. I got him. And, uh, and I said, can you, please, uh, can you please take him to the bench and control him? That's all I said, right? And the coach gets up in my face with his, his, his fist clenched. Wow. <laughs> And, and said, I'm the head coach. You talk to me. And so I teamed him up again and shipped him. And he balled up like he was going to hit me. And somebody from – and I just stood there. I didn't even move. Wow. And, uh, and uh, so uh, luckily game management came and grabbed his arm and, and took him out of the gym. But it was a uh, it was one of those situations that you're like, you know, I want to just – and I remained calm through the whole thing. I was very proud of myself actually for remaining calm. But that was just one of those things that you – you can't put up with and uh luckily it didn't it didn't evolve into something else right yeah that that is uh yeah not very fun that's for sure (laughs) not at all wow hey that's the end of our fourth quarter we're going to go to the post game we'll be right back hey ref good game when a coach or player acknowledge your effort at the end of a contest it can make the difference between a fun ride home or one where you're questioning every call you made in total silence. In business, it's no different when the customer values your performance and takes the time to let you know. Visit www.pq-2.com 
forward slash about to read customer testimonials and then call us at 330-888-9448 to discuss your next plastic application needs. Never ride home wondering if you made the right call. Some of the best parts of officiating are the brother and sisterhood of officiating. You know, uh, we all love that. The drives, the games, the uh, conversation after the games. Uh, we might go to a, uh, the local pub or, uh, or a chain place and just, you know, all gather together and have some fun. But um, talk a little bit about that brother and sisterhood and, you know, again, we, we talk about your five short years, but there's got to be a lot that you look at in five years and say, wow, I never knew they did this. Sure. There, I mean, one of the reasons I love officiating so much, which I'll, I make no bones about it, during basketball season, there's there's fewer places I would rather be than out on the basketball court. I love it. I love spending that time with, with my friends. I love spending that time with, with fellow officials. Um, one of the things I really love about our association, I know a lot of associations um, across the country, many of them may do it where you work with the same crew pretty much the whole year or this, that, and the other. I love that our association, we, we work with different people every night. Um, I love a chance to get to, to work with different officials and establish a connection with them, um, hear about their life, what's going on, um, help them as much as I can, have them help me. I mean, everything that I've talked about tonight and everything that I know as an official, I got from somebody else, you know, I, I, except for my rules knowledge. I did that all on my own, um, you know, but but even I didn't I don't even want to say I did that on my own because there's other influences like Greg Alston was one of them. But my my studying and getting the rule book, that was me. But I've learned so many great things from my officials that I can take with me past officiating and into my life as well. And so that brotherhood and sisterhood, being able to work with, with men and women that are like minded, that you get to get out on the court and then have a great time together and talk to them after, you know, post game and, and, uh, talk about life. It's, it's just, man, there's nothing quite like it. I love it. Well, you, you just mentioned the name Greg Austin and, you know, Greg is the one, uh, who tipped me off to you and Greg is in California. I had a, uh, email conversation with him. And if you don't know Greg, just go to YouTube and, uh, search for his videos. They're fantastic uh, videos for high school basketball officials and uh, the California is just getting into their season this year uh, sounds like they have a five-week run and I'm hoping to get some California officials on this podcast but um, that, that just shows that here's a guy from California recommending a guy from Florida to be on the podcast and I, that's that's just what officiating is all about right there and as we as we talk about the officiating you know we, we talk about officiating all the time even when we get home. And I'm sure that takes a lot on our family life. And, and that's something that we, I, I like talking about on the podcast because really our families do take the brunt of, um, of our season. You know, my wife, sometimes she says that, that she becomes a basketball officiating uh, widow at the, at the basketball <laughs> season. So, but uh, your wife, Sarah, uh, you've been married 13 years. And like you said, you have a son, uh, Camden, Talk a little bit about uh, how you've been able to balance life between your home life and officiating life. I've got to give it first things first. I got to give a, a big, big shout out uh, to my goats, the greatest of all time, my wife, Sarah, and my son, Camden. I literally could not do this without them. The support that they give me during basketball season, Mark, is 
unlike any other. It's it's tremendous. And I'm telling you that being able to have a, a, a relationship like this to where my, my wife understands the goals that I have, but also appreciates the fact that I try to give to the family as much as I can to um, the support that they offer is just unlike any other. They are the reason I'm able to be a basketball official and pursue my dreams. And and I could not be more thankful and grateful for, for their role in my life and, and to have them in my life. So, uh, But you're right. They do take the brunt of it. I'll tell you what. Um, we have a great partnership, my wife and I do. Yep. And and the way we make it work is this, is, you know, when I'm home, I try to dedicate time to my family, you know, when I'm home. Um, I'm gone, like I already told you, 6.2 nights out of the week during basketball season. I'm not home a lot. But when I am, I try to give them my undivided attention. Um, after basketball season is over, I say yes as many times as I can. I have that. That's, that's part of my – John Adams is another person who taught me or not, not just taught me, but continues to give me advice on faith is first, your family is second, in that order. Basketball should never come before your faith and your family. And I'm grateful for that advice, and that's something I've always, my parents have always instilled that in me as well, um, even from a very, very early age. And uh, so I'm appreciative of that, but I try to say yes as many times as I can after basketball season's over. When they ask me to do something, yes, let's do it. Um, and because I know there's some no's, sprinkled in there through basketball season but the partnership we have is fantastic because as soon as my schedule hits we get our schedule our high school schedule through arbiter sports so as soon as the new wave of of assignments hits the first call i make is to my wife to to go over our schedule together and a lot of times she sacrifices her time at work um she's an executive director for a a local university um executive director of enrollment she walks into her office closes the door pops open her schedule or calendar and then we go through the list of games that I have and what nights I'm available, which nights she needs to be home a little bit early to be able to, to hang with our son since I'm going to have to leave at a certain time. We coordinate all of that within a matter of like 15 minutes. Then I go and accept all of my games right away, um, and, and we're able to, to work out days that are conflicting interests and, and conflicting schedules with, with sitters or stuff like that. So, uh, But they're the, they're the real ones. They're the ones that make the, the, the engine go. They sure do, and what a great tribute! <laughs> what a great tribute to your wife and son. And I think um, she's probably going to record this and just constantly play the part where you said <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And so when she yeah. wants you to do something, it's going to happen. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. There's there's still some, there's still some nose sprinkled in there. Like, hey, do you want to buy this? Do you want to buy this house? I'm like, no. I'm like, no. I, I'm the I'm the one who manages our finances, and so I'm the one that has I have to to drop the hammer on the nose from time to time too. So hopefully she doesn't listen to this part of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It is post game. And uh, that's, that's all we have for this segment. We're going to go to our final segment, which is the five quick decisions. We'll be right back. Hey ref PQ two LLC is proud to be the thermoplastic resin company that dares to be different. Call Matt Kearns at three, three Oh, Eight 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 nine four four eight, and ask what makes PQ2 LLC different. Official site relationships within the community of basketball officials as a huge reason why we take the floor each game night year after year. PQ2 LLC brings the same passion you have in the locker room to every client relationship we've built over the years.
So our last segment, uh, we tried to uh, uh, just ask some quick questions with uh, some some pretty good answers. And and I don't know if you're fed on your basketball game nights. You know, when we get out of state, sometimes uh, into different states, some state uh, officials indicate that they're not quite uh, fed as well as maybe other states. But um, I'm sure that after games, you are fed on occasion. What are some of the best foods that you've received from schools after after games? Well, first of all, I'm going to relocate to Ohio. You guys are <laughs> fed after games. I mean, sign me up. Which association do I need to join? Tell me where to go. All of them. Um, no, but, <laughs> no, but that's that's great that you guys are. We we don't have that down here that often, but we do have specific tournaments. Or if we're working the tournaments during the season, um, that they'll have a hospitality room and we can absolutely take part in that. And there's a there's a local high school that always does it top notch. Um, a few of our high schools do, and, and we're very grateful for the hospitality that they give. Um, but there's there's a barbecue joint that that kind of uh, caters uh, for one of these places, and uh, they got some of the best barbecue in town. So that is definitely something I will indulge in after a tournament game. So if there's one rule that you could change in high school basketball, what would it be? Goodness, uh, terrible question to ask me. I'm so sorry because I don't spend much time at all <laughs> um, uh, t- like contemplating rule changes. I only focus on the rules. I'm much like Greg. I'm a, I'm, I'm a rules guru. That's my, that's my thing. I read a rule per day for my men's college rule book and my, uh, my high school rule book. I'm talking about the whole rule. Sure. You know, where there's 10 rules in high school, 11 rules in the, in the NCAA men's rule book. I read a rule from each of those rule books per day. And so I focus on what what is on the pages, what's the black and white, what's the case plays say about it. I don't spend much time thinking about rule changes, although I will say I would I wouldn't mind Florida getting a shot clock. Okay. Uh, what do you think is the most misunderstood rule from fans and coaches? Have to be the traveling rule or the guarding rule, but I would say the the traveling rule is probably the most misunderstood for reasons that I'm sure some of your other guests have, have mentioned as well. Yep. A lot of our, a lot of the fans and supporters consume NBA, NBA product, and uh, and there are rule differences um, between FIBA, the NBA. Uh, those are more similar, but obviously FIBA and NBA differ in their traveling rule from the NCAA men's and the uh, uh, NFHS uh, traveling rule as well. So I would have to say the traveling rule. In fact, there's parts of the traveling rule. If I, if I could just kind of, if there's any young officials on here um, that are that are listening. I would challenge you to go read Rule 444 of your NFHS rule book. Digest the traveling rule. Learn it in and out. Uh, the best facility that you've ever worked, non-college facility. Well, you know what? A lot of our high school gyms around here in our county are, are kind of generic, like cookie cutter. You know, they're just the same, right? Yeah. So there's not that many. That's one thing that I, I dislike about down here is that the facility, like the gyms, they're mostly the same, like, layout and everything you don't have like when i go to indiana to the Hoosier gym for our coaches clinic mm-hmm. and i'd go visit some indiana gyms like and i'm sure it's probably the same there's character to those gyms like that are different differentiating like factors of one gym to another we don't have a lot of that down here um but i would say i mean the state state tournament game that i worked last year at the rp funding center that was great but as far as a high school gym goes i like uh i like mount door christian academy um, because it's a band box and it's two levels. And so they have the wraparound balcony that wraps around pretty much the gym. And so when it's packed out in there, it's a small gym, but when it's packed out on there, it gets super loud and you got people are in the rafters pretty much all around the floor and it's all right there on top of you. 
Um, and it's kind of a really cool atmosphere. Last question. Uh, funniest thing that a player, coach, or a fan ever said to you? All right. So I got coaches. I got to do the coaching first real quick, and then I'll tell you a different one. So uh, um, the coaches one, it's not all that hilarious, but we just talked about Hoosiers. So I got to say this. I was, <laughs> oh, officiating no. a game, I, I was officiating a game two years ago. Uh, a player had gotten kind of – uh, injured on one team. They only had uh, seven players to begin with. Player got injured, could no longer play. One of their best players got an attitude, and the coach set him on the bench in the second quarter and was just sitting on the bench. And so they only had five players. One of their players got out of the game in the third quarter. So, of course, at by rule, we go notify the coach first. And that's when they become bench personnel, right? So I go notify the coach. Coach, that's five on number two. Um, he's fouled out of the game. I notify the table to start the uh, the – 15 seconds and notify the player he goes to leave the bench and so near the end of that he has still hasn't provided me with anybody right and so i said i looked at him and i said i said coach are you gonna give me your fifth player and he goes he looks at me dead in the eyes and goes chip my team's on the floor yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little gene hackman gonna, going on there right little gene hackman and dude i said i looked at coach i said i see what you did there coach and i did, couldn't help but laugh and chuckle so but I got to tell you one other funny story to wrap up, if you don't mind. No. The last one is uh, this wasn't any fan or coach, uh, but uh, the uh, we had I worked at district girls playoff game two years ago, and I had a great crew with me, and they're funny. Both of these guys are funny, um, and so we're standing there, and it, we're getting ready for the the national anthem and everything. So we're standing there, and and we're side by side, hand over our hearts, all that stuff, and um, you know. The girl that was working the table, she had her phone plugged into the sound system, and she was. I looked over there, and she was about to hit play. So she hits play, and we're standing there, and everybody's standing at attention, all that stuff in the gym. And so then all of a sudden, this weird instrumental song started playing, but it was most certainly not the national anthem. So we're all standing there with our hands over our hearts, and we're and we're letting this thing play out, guys. I'm like looking, I'm thinking to myself, like, are they gonna? stop this and play the actual national anthem so we're standing there with our hands over our hearts still and we're about 20 seconds in and nobody's doing anything and my partner june jackson he looks over at me and he goes he mouths the words chip what the hell <laughs> and i about lost it i dropped my hand off my heart at that point because i have no clue what i'm what i'm paying homage to at that point anyway and so so i, I i'm the heart so i look over to uh to the scores table and I said guys let's just go ahead and cut this this is absolutely not our national anthem so we'll cut it off in district schedule for tournaments they're on a strict schedule to start the game on time right so I said guys we're just not going to do the anthem obviously it's trouble getting this go into the starting lineups and we'll go so then I hear the administrator this is the funniest part I hear the game administrator um, who's one of the assistant principals she's over at the scores table and she looks over and she goes girl what did you play this is like a, t a teenage girl that that goes to school there that was playing this right and she goes i don't know and the, she said child give me your phone and she grabs the phone and she looks at it she goes honey child you played the chinese national anthem <laughs> <laughs> so we were standing there at attention for 20 seconds for the chinese national anthem and nobody knew anything about it and uh it was super embarrassing, but it was hilarious. I was like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. But the way she said it and reprimanded her for playing, that was just hilarious, too. So there's some things that we get to see on the court, and we get to – man, listen, this game is fun. 
Mark. It is fun. It's fun to be out there on the court with our partners. It's fun to experience things with them. You have some fun situations. You have, you have fans saying weird things from time to time. I, I had a fan tell me, you know, like after coming into Christmas break, like coming to work a game, I worked one before Thanksgiving break of their team, worked one afterwards, and I'm out on the court, and a lot of the people in our area know who I am. They know my name. And I had one, pl- I had one parent, you know, when I was walking up the court, Chip, man, how many pounds did you gain after Thanksgiving, man? You, I, was, I can't, you can't even get up and down the court. And I just chuckled to myself, and he probably didn't mean it as endearing at all. I know him, and he probably was just letting me have it because he doesn't like me. But, uh, but anyway, it was still funny to me. But. Well, you know, they certainly make the game uh, a lot more fun, and I have really more of an appreciation for the fans since um, they weren't at a lot of our games last year, and so, and and really Absolutely. this year. So, yeah, that's um, a, a tribute to getting them back into the game and and having fun, and, and glad we can have fun because we tend to complain more about the fans than we probably should. So, a hundred percent. Well, thank you very much, uh, Chip, for taking the time to uh, spend with us on the High School Basketball Referee Podcast. Uh, for an official who's been around for five years, you have certainly taken uh, this extremely seriously, and it's great to see it. It's great to hear it, and you have got such a bright future ahead. We can't wait to continue to uh, to watch your progress. Mark, thanks so much. I really appreciate you having me on, and got listeners, I'm, I'm sorry I'm long-winded. It's just my personality, but I appreciate you guys listening, too. And, Mark, thanks again for having me on. It was great to get to talk to you tonight. And that closes another episode of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fraley podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Until next time, have a great day. Brighten someone's day with a smile. And God bless.